you hear me? I'm gonna render it down. Can you hear me? No. Hello? Hello. I'm Crawford uh, Tillingoth. And today I'm here to tell you about my wonderful new product, Ultraviolet Light. It gives you a head PDP. It, and it's ultra. Ultra. Better than super. <laughs> um, um, Fraser. You're back in town. I'm in fucking South Africa, man. You're literally right here. I am in the same room as you. Yeah. To it the is. listeners, you're still incorporeal and from far away. But to me, you're a fleshy, sweaty, the skin. Yes. You have bones. I have them. Um, blood. The, yes, the bones, the blood, it's all inside. The whole thing. It's part of the package. And you're right here. Yeah, I'm sitting. Uh, That's incredible. <laughs> and I'm breathing, <laughs> and it's fantastic. Uh, and you know, I haven't mutated into a monster even once today. Really? Yeah. That's pretty good. I yeah. did it a couple times, but yeah. But you're on that new build of Max Monster spray. Yeah, that's right. I do feel like I'm dying. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, welcome back to South Africa, Fraser. Oh, thank you, thank you. It's good to be back. And I feel that actually today I was um, I was at a mall and I was walking around. And I had some shopping to do, and uh, I had this thought where I thought, you know what? Maybe I should quit my job in China, move to South Africa, and get a job as someone who hugs every single South African. Okay, I I like it. Yes. But I've got a couple of questions. All right. One, who's gonna pay you? I'm assuming the government. Okay, okay, so then the second question is have you started preparing your pitch to get a tender, to get, you know... See, the, the thing is, I think what I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go to the meeting mm -hmm. with the government. Yes. And be... The whole government. The whole, of course, the whole government. Parliament. Yeah. I'll, I'll appear before Parliament, mm -hmm. and I'll just hug each and every one of them. Okay, and then that should do the trick? That should do the trick, and then they, uh, theoretically, they throw money at me. Okay, and then, and then last question. Yes. What if you hug someone, but they don't wish to be hugged? Uh, no, it's a government mandate, and it's not, it's got nothing to do with, uh, Consent. <laughs> Non-consensual hugger. Well, I wish you the best of luck. Yeah, I think I might be going to jail. <laughs> <laughs> Just walk into parliament and yeah. start hugging politicians. Yeah, uh, I think... I wonder how many politicians you'd be able to hug before you got tackled. Um... I don't know, because the politicians are always tackling each other, so I might just get tackled right away. Right away, because they think you're going in for a fight. Yeah, yeah, I'm going in with, like, some political bent. But no, I just want to hug people. Yeah. I just feel like South Africans collectively deserve a hug, and my arms aren't long enough to hug all of them at once, mm -hmm. so I'm mm -hmm. going to have to do it one at a time. Well, hopefully you won't be lethally misunderstood. Let's hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I guess that's it for our regular episode of Welcome Back to South Africa. I'm gonna hug you. Yes. <laughs> Good ep. Great ep. Welcome now to our B-side production, Be Positive. <laughs>
the positive, positive B movie podcast. And you didn't have to sync it because we're in the same we're room. We're in the same room. It's amazing. It's great. And uh, I never sync it anyway. But <laughs> uh, yeah, that whole tagline, it says all of that on my t-shirt. It does. Um, well, I'm not. You're wearing a jersey now. Yeah. But you can but. see through a jersey, right? You're, yeah. That's how glasses work. Correct. Yeah. Well, I know things. <laughs> uh, that's why I'm getting I'm getting glasses soon. So today on Be Positive, we are discussing HP Sasscrafts. <laughs> no, HP Lovecrafts from Beyond. From Beyond. And uh, just so that you know, I am Fraser. Oh yes, I'm Louis. Yeah, and welcome back to Be Positive. Yeah, gentle listener. This episode is coming out on Friday the 13th. Uh-oh. So, we've got an especially spooky film for this especially cursed day. And it's especially coincidental. Yeah. <laughs> 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 A little peek behind the curtain there. Oh, God. We should stop letting them look at, look at us while we're in the shower. We record this in a shower. We right? do. Yeah. Uh, all right. So From Beyond is a 1986 American horror film based on the short story written by H.P. Lovecraft entitled From Beyond. That's correct. And it's a film by Stuart Gordon, who uh, he made cult classic Reanimator uh, before he made this. Yeah. Um, this was cult... Uh, Reanimator was his first film, yeah. and From Beyond is his second film. Uh, we will definitely get to Reanimator. Uh, I know that a lot of people are clamoring to hear us speak. Absolutely about... baying. Yeah, <laughs> howling and clawing at <laughs> <laughs> clawing think, at their cells. I think this just might be the zombies. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we decided to go for the slightly less popular From Beyond for this episode. I don't really know how we choose our films. We don't really. We don't really choose our films. Uh, the universe chooses them for us. And, and in that way, we get to experience some of the cosmic horror that H.P. Lovecraft mm. himself once envisioned. Mm-mm-mm. Zolo Maxilov throat spray. I feel like I'm dying. Good old Zolo Maxilov. Now, before we continue, uh, it has to be mentioned, whenever H.P. Lovecraft's name comes up, that he was both a racist and a misogynist. And a homophobe. Yes, but in the short story, From Beyond, H.P. Lovecraft does not one time even mention anything racist, sexist, or homophobic. Good job. We're so proud of you, Henry. Good boy. You're a good boy and you're not. (laughs) Alright, so in the film From Beyond, we follow Crawford Tillinghast. It's a great name. It is a great name. And it's actually, that's the name uh, that the villainous mad scientist in the short story had. Where this Crawford Tillinghast is a combination of both the mad scientist and his intended victim from the short story. But this Crawford is the assistant to Dr. Edward Pretorius. Pretorius. 
Pretorius, yeah. And he is the kinkiest scientist in town. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't think you'd be able to find a kinkier scientist anywhere. Yeah, and if you do, uh, you should probably not, not hang out don't, with him. Yeah, just go away from there. Yes, bad, bad times. Uh, so the film opens with Crawford activating a machine known as the Resonator. Man, he summons a weird purple evil Pokemon thing that's mm. sort of floating around around the tongs of the machine. And then it bites him in the face. He shuts the machine down and he seems really upset. He runs to Edward Pretorius, who appears to be naked. Mm-hmm. He's, uh, it's a, the classic coming out of your room, putting your dressing gown on. And it's a silk dressing gown. Yeah, so you know he been fucking. Yeah, but that also raises a question. Who was he fucking? Because no one uh, else leaves the house. Uh, Maybe he was just watching his videos. Maybe. Uh, so he calls up uh, Eddie, Eddie Pretorius and they go to the machine. And where Crawford was more conservative when initially activating the machine he'd only gone up to like i don't know he didn't turn the dial all the way up it was very very conservative eddie on the other hand man he cranks that shit all the way up goes four tongs deep (laughs) and he just raises and there's this machine is very phallic right it's got this lever and you have to raise the lever up to be able to activate the machine. So he activates the machine. Their pineal glands get stimulated. Which is how you gain vision yeah. from beyond. So this uh, this resonator vibrates at the exact frequency that your pineal... Pineal? Pineal. Pineal. Uh, that your pineal gland vibrates at. And so it activates your pineal. And then you gain the sixth sense to see the beyond world yeah um and so that's important to mention that this is not a world that is being summoned into existence it's the world behind the world that we already live in Mm. but that we're just thankfully unaware of it's deeper reality yeah so he cranks it all the way up and he like says some things coming and he seems real amped about it yeah he's really happy about whatever's uh, coming something does come and then it eats his head though so yeah maybe not so happy anymore eddie because now you're daddy uh... i did it all right <clears throat> crawford then runs from the house uh gets caught by the cops and is like pretty much immediately thrown into the nut house. Yeah. It's here that we meet Dr. Catherine McMichaels, yes. played by Barbara Crampton. Barbara Crampton. Not a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> she might be a doctor. We no, don't know. well she's not she's not credited as being Dr. Barbara Crampton. Sure, that's true. Yeah. So you might recognize Crawford Tillingast actor uh, Jeffrey Combs, as well as Barbara Crampton mm. from Reanimator, if you've watched it, I personally have not watched it. So they're both returning with uh, Stuart Gordon for From Beyond. Now, she is this very successful young psychiatrist. She sort of, they don't say anything specific, but she's shaking up psychiatry in America at that time. 
Like, yeah, there's kind of a little bit of a disagreement between herself and the asylum's resident doctor, uh, Doctor Block, which tells you pretty much everything you need to know about her character. Yeah, uh, McMichael's goes on to state that she believes telling us now she meets him and he convinces her that he's not just insane he's an insane scientist so he knows what he's talking about so he convinces her to go with him uh to the machine well he basically convinces her of the machine's efficacy yeah and uh she is immediately intrigued she wants to go she wants to see this pineal thing happen and they're assigned a detective, Bubba Brownlee, uh, played by Ken Forey, who you'll know from from Dust Till Dawn. Yeah. So he fills the function of the voice of reason in their party. Yeah, just like the n- normal person with a family who's just doing a job, who gets uh, unwittingly caught up in this absolute crazy nonsense yeah and all of this cosmic horror and goopy body nonsense so they go back to the house and almost immediately mcmichaels wants to turn on the resonator now crawford he's not into it he's not super keen yeah he's seen what the resonator does he's not quite ready to go four tongs deep just yet but they go in they switch on the resonator and they they see like jellyfish and eels and all kind of critter critters smacking around in the air uh one attacks bubba they shut off the machine and they all agree let's not turn the machine on again but they're all quite horny uh because unexpected side effect yeah. of stimulating the pineal gland is that you you get turned on yeah and everybody's feeling it yeah so they go downstairs they have a cup of tea or whatever and they're they're sort of feeling uncomfortable and uh they're discussing the machine and bubba mentions that he was fully erect when the machine was (laughs) the resonator was resonating yeah and uh while the resonator was resonating uh, doctors crawford and uh kathleen Dr. Barbara Crampton, they were kind of giving each other the sexy eyes. Yeah. Uh, I feel like it was less from Crawford. Uh, yeah. And more from McMichael's, uh, Barbara, Barbara Crampton's character. Because as we'll find out later, there's a little bit of sexual assault. Yeah. This film has a little bit of sexual assault. Yeah. So take it with a little bit of salt. um okay so when they uh next switch the machine on um i think barbara's doing it unsupervised yeah she they all go to bed and she's sort of restless she's obsessed with the machine it's it's triggered a change in her mind so she goes back into the machine activates it and has a full body experience yeah at which point, Dr. Pretorius uh, reappears. Naked and goopy. And, well, at this point, he's not super goopy. He's just moist. Yeah. He's kind of, he looks like he's just come out of the sweat box. Yeah. Um, and at first, of course, Crawford can't believe it. Dr. Pretorius, echoing Jesus, of mm-hmm. course, says, Touch me. 
if you must. Well, no, he says, touch me if it pleases oh, you. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> if uh, it pleases And it fits his character quite well because right before this, we do f- have a peek into his bedroom and it's just S&M gear. It's basically yeah. a sex dungeon. It's like his Fifty Shades room. Yeah, yeah, except he's not a handsome billionaire. He's a sweaty scientist. Yeah. That can hey, sweaty scientists can be sexy too. Yeah. Everybody needs a little bit of love. <laughs> um they touch him and oh well, Crawford touches him and his flesh just sinks away. Like like, like a putty. Yeah, like a warm wax. Ugh. Uh and <laughs> Eddie then goes on to devolve into a leaping tiger of some kind of shape. We don't get a very clear look at what jumps out of his head. Yeah, his whole head kind of unravels and becomes these, like, almost tentacle-like strands. Yeah, they're, uh, they're moving independently from one another and it looks like his skull has turned into four tongues. They shut off the resonator <laughs> and Pretorius disappears. Uh, and again, they agree, let's not do that let's again. please not do that again. This experience, however, has Crawford's pineal gland keeps getting stimulated and it's developing yeah. faster than the others because he's had more stimulation. Uh, so he's very sensitive to these hallucinations. Uh, well, not even hallucinations. This is the second sight. Or, yeah. Or whatever you uh, want to call it. The beyond. Yeah. He's, he's quickly slipping towards the beyond. Now, they all again, they leave the machine but Eddie Pretorius, becoming much more powerful by the second, just switches the machine on yeah. from beyond. And at this point, Crawford is kind of getting more and more afraid of the machine and more and more hesitant. Uh, whereas Dr. Kathy, what's her fucking Catherine Catherine. McMichael. Catherine. Uh, Dr. McMichaels is like legit in love with Pretorius at this point yeah there's a weird thing going on and i'm sure it's some kind of a psychosexual association that she's made because she watches uh pretorius's home movies of him just whipping the shit out of a woman (laughs) uh but in a sexy way yeah and she seems to be into it i don't know it's not it's like vhs quality who knows i can't even see that well so she becomes all s and emmy in her mind and with the added stimulation of the resonator, which we know makes everyone a little bit more sexy, except for Crawford, makes him more skittish. Uh, skittish. Hey, skittish can be sexy too. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Eddie reactivates the machine and they all notice that the whole house is resonating now. Like, these mm. creatures can appear anywhere. So, Catherine goes upstairs and is captured by Pretorius and then sexually assaulted by Pretorius. Yeah. And then nearly devoured by Pretorius, mm-hmm. right? That's that's how it goes. That's the escalation. Yeah, and at this point uh Pretorius's head turns into this weird fleshy praying mantis thing before he tries to eat her head in a similar like it reminded me a lot of uh Men in Black. The uh, first yeah. one where that dude turns into the cockroach. And it also reminded me of uh, Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. I felt like this was actual footage of Harvey Weinstein in action. 
God, yeah, he because at this point Ed is every time we see him in this film, he's kind of gone further beyond, and his body is much more of a goopy mess. Um, and at this point, he's like half normal person, half uh, kind of like taffy blob melted candle guy. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever taken like one of those little are the soldier toys the mm-hmm. little green plastic toys and a can of deodorant and a lighter and just melted the shit out of it that's kind of what it looks like but only on one side yeah um so while he's assaulting catherine crawford and bubba head down to the basement to try and uh, flip the the main fuse box so yeah the mains um but they get down there and there's a big old Toothy worm. Yeah. Uh, a lot of wormy phallic things in yeah. the beyond. Lots of penises. Uh, and uh, uh, the way we say it now, it makes it seem like they abandoned Catherine. Yeah. But the door is supernaturally locked by Eddie, Eddie Petty. Yeah, they can't get to the switch on the actual machine. So they have to go down and, and flip the main switch. Yeah. So Crawford decides to heroically be... Uh, Swallowed by the machine, <laughs> uh, by, by, by the monster, the, the big worm monster, uh, and we do get to see Bubba in his un, like his mm. his uh, tidy whities, uh, and they sort of fall it splashing around in water. And something that that's very notable about Stuart Gordon's early work is he's very comfortable with nudity. Like, yeah, female characters can be nude, male characters can be nude, whatever. You know, you're going to see some naked people. Yeah, definitely. So Bubba flips the switch, the worm disappears, but Crawford's hair is gone. Because <laughs> he's been, he gets sucked in by the worm to like about the waist. Yeah. Um, and when the switch gets flipped, he just falls from the air onto the ground and he, all his hair to the waist is gone yeah it's full of like these almost looks like suction wounds yeah or like burns. chemical burns yeah yeah it's very weird but uh <laughs> so he's getting weirder at the minute at the moment yeah and it's not even necessarily his head hair that makes him weird it's the fact that his eyebrows are gone yeah you, whenever i see someone without eyebrows uh it does look very uncanny. There's yeah. something very important uh, about the eyebrows yeah. in when babies are learning to distinguish human faces. Mm. Um, yeah, so don't don't take your eyebrows for granted, everybody. Yeah. So even though she's almost been raped and almost been eaten, Catherine needs to go back. She's, uh, she's, seen she's too much. so drawn to this uh beyond world which actually makes her a lot like dr pretorius yeah she's she is very much his uh spiritual successor yeah what what is the final time that they turn the machine on so uh do they turn the machine on or does eddie turn it on i'm not quite sure what happens but baba doesn't make it he doesn't know he gets eaten by uh like these little fly critters i guess yeah he just gets swarmed and chowed down and he turns into a goopy mess he's 
<laughs> it's just his head and uh, and a bunch of gore and this little skeleton yeah. puppet thing. It what it reminded me of is if you would take now never mind his head being there. If you would take like one of those biology class skeletons, yeah, and you would put the American football shoulder pads on it, yeah, and then like a little shirt and that. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. And then you splash some like fake guts in the in the, yeah. the chest cavity. That's pretty much what it looks like. Uh, and that's the thing about these movies. It's delightful practical effects. Yeah. And nothing beats a pra- practical effect. And I think also the practical effects, and we'll talk about it later a bit more, like really fit well with the film. Not, not just aesthetically, but also kind of thematically. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, uh, sorry, we, we skipped that a bit. Uh, so directly after turning off the machine and uh, Crawford being sucked by the worm. Uh, They sort of place Crawford in a bed and uh, Catherine is kind of taking care of him. But then she spots the S&M gear, puts on like some leather lingerie and fully sexually assaults uh, the unconscious Crawford. Yeah, it's not a great look on her. No, sexual assault doesn't look good on anybody. No. Mm. Um, Bubba comes in and he doesn't know what the fuck is going on. Yeah. Like, that's one of the points where I was like, really felt for him as just this guy who's trying to do his job. Yeah. But he's surrounded by the most insane circumstances. Yeah. And he manages quite well to hang on to his sanity until, you know, he gets chowed on by the flies. Yeah, she says, I think, after being uh, stopped by Baba, she says, I, d- I don't know who I am. Um, so we know she's kind of starting to lose it a little bit here. Yeah. Um, I think it is Pretorius who then restarts the resonator. Yeah, the and then he, uh, he tries to consume Catherine. Yeah. Uh, and she manages to shut the machine off. With like a fire extinguisher. Yeah, she kind of, she freezes it with the fire extinguisher. I yeah. Guess, or like gunks it up. Yeah, just just messes with it. Uh, enough that... They get out, basically. Yeah. That kind of feels like the end of the film. But then we get a whole sequence in the hospital where our good, good friend Crawford's pineal gland has finally had enough. Yeah. And decides to get some fresh air, and his pe- <laughs> his pineal gland pops out of his forehead, um, and it looks like it looks like an anglerfish's like light. lure, yeah. Um, so he has this little angle, and he goes scavenging through the hospital with his beyond vision, which yeah. highlights brains. <laughs> Yeah. In pink. So he's kind of just chowing down in a, like a hazmat bucket, just eating some brains when... Uh, Which is weird that they just have that lying around. Yeah, well, you know, you're gonna have the bucket of brains down in the lab. In the lobotomy room. In the, in the, yeah, the lab. <laughs> lobotomy room. <laughs> the lob. He's chowing down and Dr. Block walks in on him. And he jumps her, sucks her eyeball out, and then uh, sucks her brain out through her eye socket. 
Yeah, which is uh, also the way that, well, the eye usually stays in, but that's the way that people used to do actual lobotomies is going through the eye socket. Yeah. So that's reminiscent of lobotomies. I don't know why the lobotomy subplot or metaphor comes in so late, but we cut to uh, Catherine. Uh, she's about to get electroshock therapy on her yeah. brain. Because, clear, yeah, she now obviously knows the truth about the house. But just like Crawford in the beginning, of course, nobody believes her. Because it's crazy. Because it is insane. And yeah, so she's about to get shocked when... Everybody's freaking out because of Crawford. And um, she gets released in, you know, in the confusion. She escapes. Crawford, meanwhile, is just sucking every brain he can get. Uh, He attacks some ambulance drivers. Or, you know, EMTs. Um, yeah. yeah. Makes a homeless person go crazy. Yeah. This poor homeless person who witnesses him brain suck like three people. Yeah. Uh, but every now and again, his pineal uh, retracts back into his head and then he... He regains some sense of himself. Yeah. I'd like, I shouldn't be breaking these people's heads open. Oh, no. Or let me run away from what I've done. <laughs> My problems are too great. Catherine then returns to the machine. She does not trust uh, her damage to the machine to keep it down for long. So she's brought some explosives, which she gets from somewhere. Uh, this being America, I assume it was Walmart. Yeah, probably. Uh, or the Piggly Wiggly. Yeah, yeah, same thing. But Crawford appears, catches her, and restrains her in the S&M room. Oh, yeah. Uh, Why does he do that? Because he wants to eat her brain, and uh, as he goes, yeah. as he goes in to pop off, pop off her eyeball, mm-hmm. she reaches up with her head and uh, bites off his pineal gland. <laughs> uh, as a sentence, that shouldn't make any sense. Yeah, it doesn't make sense, but now it does. The magic of cinema. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, she bites his little dingle dangle and runs away. Gets away. Uh, well, Ed arrives. Eddie arrives in his final form. Uh, he's fully transformed into a sloppy Joe. He's a nasty, <laughs> nasty boy. Uh, and he eats Crawford's head. Yeah. Then Tillingast and Pretorius kind of inhabit the same body and they're fighting for control of... <sighs> The sloppy Joe body. Yeah. And they're just... And it's like, it's like multiple births and deaths happening at the same time. Yeah, it's not great. It's not <laughs> ideal. It's a bad scene. Yeah. I mean, it's a good scene in the movie. Yeah, it's very well done. But not the kind of, like... Not but, the scene you would want to hang out at. Yeah, yeah. Which is why Catherine McMichaels runs from the scene. Also because there's 30 seconds left on the bomb. Yeah. Uh, And it's convenient how all bombs come with a timer. It is. uh, Like, that's the thing. People put in that effort to attach the timer. Yeah. She jumps from the second story window and falls to the ground dramatically and viciously shattering her knee. Yeah. It just busts wide open. Uh, You can see bone and gore flying out of that thing. That's not great. Uh, The house explodes and McMichael's... Man, she just fucking loses her mind and starts cackling with laughter. 
Yeah. I mean, is she is she crying? Is she laughing? Is she just screaming? It's kind of all three. And that's how I imagine our listeners are when they're listening yeah. to this podcast. That's how I am while I'm recording it. Yeah. Um, this is the sound of Louis cackling. <laughs> Truly majestic. <laughs> uh, yeah, and that's pretty much, that's it. That's, that's, that's from beyond. So there's a couple of things I want to mention here. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about it. So one of the things I want to talk about, and this is sort of my main thing, my main takeaway from From Beyond, mm-hmm. is this kind of this metaphor that I saw of it's sort of turning the tables on the traditional sexual dominance trope or whatever, yeah. where at first you have this machine. This machine is very phallic. It's uh. It's got the tongs, uh, the things that it exposes you to are also very phallic. Uh, they're worms, they're snakes, they're sloppy Joe men. <laughs> and they make a, like a really weird little penis come out of your forehead. And at first, Catherine is sort of taken with the machine. But then it becomes a conflict between Catherine and the machine. Mm-hmm. Where the conflict for Crawford is between Crawford and Edward. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, Catherine is sort of obsessed with Edward, but then she learns the truth about him. Uh, she sexually assaults a man, which, you know, that you don't see that quite often. Usually uh, the sexual assault is the other way around, yeah. traditionally, at least the way uh, that it's seen. And that's also the way we see it in the film. You know, before before she assaults, she is assaulted. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and... In that way, it's like what I see from the film is she is taking away the power of the phallus in many ways. Where, for instance, when Crawford comes at her with his uh, winky coming out of the head, she bites it off. She takes away the phallus, takes away the power, takes the power back to herself. When Eddie is trying to eat her, uh, she busts up the machine and she takes the power back. So each time that... She, uh, Catherine is in this position where, in a traditional sense, she would be the damsel in distress. She takes away the power of the phallus in the room and yeah. becomes the power in the room. Yeah. That also seems like one of her character's central tensions is that kind of desire for power and desire for knowledge as power versus you know holding on to her humanity and and um individuality that's a big difference between her and edward Mm. is where she's reluctant to let go of herself edward just goes straight in for it yeah he's really happy with the beyond um he's giving the beyond five stars on yelp yeah he's He's uh, got a gushing review, yeah, uh, which I also expect us to receive. Yeah, for this please ep. rate five star. Um, so yeah, Edward is obsessed with uh, transcending and transgressing uh, the boundaries of the human. Um, yeah, he and- feels that uh, he at one point states that human senses are very limited and that. Uh, we have these dormant sense organs that, you know, he's not 
he's not happy with his organs the way they are. He needs more. <laughs> he needs to experience more. Yeah. And a classic way for a filmmaker to portray someone chasing more experience is to have them be into S&M. Yeah. Um, so the, the whipping just isn't doing it for him anymore. He needs something more extreme. Uh, and that's something literally going beyond his pleasure principle. He, um, he becomes one with whatever is in the beyond. Yeah. Um, cause we never really know what it is that he says in the beginning is it's coming. coming. He but... kind of merges with that it. Yeah. All we know is that it came. Yeah. It came and it bit his head off. And then it was him. Yes. Um, and I feel like, yeah, that kind of crossing of the boundaries is exactly what all the goopy body stuff uh, is about. Like, even the physical uh, boundaries of the body are very loose in the beyond. And also where, uh, for instance, every time we see Edward, he's transformed into more of a sloppy joe. Yeah. So that's also him pushing his ex physical experience. Mm. When he, each time he comes back, he's got a different physiology. So his experience of reality must be changing. So it's, it's really about his journey uh, through the beyond and in evolving his sensual experience for, for him, for his character. In the short story by H.P. Lovecraft, uh, basically what we see is the unnamed narrator shows up at Tra Crawford Tillinghast's house or mansion and he knows that Crawford Tillinghast is obsessed with the resonator and expanding human perception. Now this is very much Edward Tillinghast. Uh, Edward... Crawford? Edward... No? Crawford Tillinghast. Crawford Tillinghast, Edward Pretorius. This is Edward's motivation. So that's where that comes from. And Crawford Tillinghast then becomes the, in a sense, the nameless narrator, but also kind of the yeah, same like, character yeah. from the story. Uh, and in the story, the scientists, uh, his servants have all been taken beyond. And he tries to get his friend eaten by it, by this thing that takes Edward Pretorius. But in the end, he gets his head chomped off and his friend escapes. All that happens in the story. And that all happens right in the pre-credits scene, of right the at film, the start yeah. of the film. The rest is Stuart Gordon's artistic expression. And I feel like, I mean, okay, the film opens with Crawford Tillinghast, but he's not really the protagonist. No. Catherine McMichaels is where it's at. It's her development. She's also the survivor. And it's very much about her journey into Edward Pretorius's world and going beyond her own comfort zone and her own morals and, you know, whatever. Yeah. And discovering new things because her big breakthrough in psychology is saying that the pineal gland in schizophrenics are overdeveloped or yeah, overstimulated. Are not uh, insane per se, but that they also have 
some kind of access to the beyond that they can just see what the rest of us can't see. Yeah, so of course we think they're insane, just like everyone thinks that Crawford is insane and then later that McMichaels is insane. Yeah. It's really, it's this um, never-ending cycle because no one's going to believe them that the resonator works. Yeah, and if you do have that experience, then you are also now labeled as insane. insane. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's not to say that McMichaels doesn't end up insane. I think it's clear that her mind didn't cope and then just snapped yeah. at the end. But I really can't blame her. Yeah, she I goes think, through quite a bit. Yeah, and I think the the whole premise of this to me is absolutely terrifying. Because, I mean, when we talk about it, we talk about the monsters appearing and disappearing. But of course, they're actually always there. Yeah. And this machine just imparts you with that knowledge. Uh, this machine just gives you the knowledge that you are constantly surrounded by flying floppy eels and weird vaginal squid and edward, edward. pretorius <laughs> yeah he's just always there he is in his sloppy disgusting nasty body oh nasty just morphing and, and now morphing slip, with slooping around crawford telling us and they're probably for all eternity being dying and being reborn in an eternal conflict yeah it's a bad situation is what i'm trying to say yeah there's a lot of screaming it's not fun but now at least Catherine doesn't actively have to look at it and also her pineal hasn't exploded out the front of her skull the funny thing to me is uh and to anyone with a bit of knowledge about the brain's anatomy watching this film is that the pineal gland is actually located at the back of the brain uh... so the little tentacle boy that comes out of Crawford's head should have come out the back but well, it burrows all the way through his brain yeah uh, probably gives him a light lobotomy on the way through. That's why he's so crazy. Yeah. Uh, another thing that I picked up with uh, Catherine's character is she is opposed to asylums and opposed to the procedures that they, they undergo in asylums to treat mental illness, like mm-hmm. electroshock therapy and lobotomies and the whole awful package. And she is treated with contempt by the the people working at this asylum, which, I mean, when people first came up with the idea of maybe treating the uh, mentally ill as humans or just with some iota of compassion, they were treated like insane people. She does end up going through that process and being locked up in that place. And now, post the film, she's probably going to be in an asylum for the rest of her life. It's ironic that her claim to fame was trying to reform mental health care uh, and in the process of trying to reform mental health care and pushing the boundaries of human knowledge and medical science, she herself falls into the very thing that she's trying to fix and trying to change. It's similar to in American Horror Story Season 2 where you have the... um, Which ones? Asylum. Oh, uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, and you've got you've got the reporter who goes there to report on it. And then, man, she just gets locked up in the asylum. And yeah. it, it's, it's that thing of once you're in an asylum, no one's going to believe you're not insane. You yeah. can be entirely sane 
But as soon as you're an inmate, you're not, you can't be trusted. It's ironic um, in kind of a very sad way. Yeah. Uh, and that's, I feel, where a lot of the cosmic horror comes in. Because sure, now you she's aware of this beyond... Uh, and it's always there, and it's indifferent and pred- yet predatory. But I think the true horror is of being consumed by the very thing you're trying to repair in society. Yeah, that this in- insanity is brought on by a knowledge that she was hoping to use pass on to, or use. Yeah, to yeah. use to better treatment of the insane or... You know, she was trying, pushing the boundaries, going beyond, and it broke her. Yeah, she's definitely getting electroshock now. Yeah, yeah, not great. I don't know, do people still do electroshock therapy? Mm, Electroshock's actually making a bit of a comeback. Ooh. Uh, No, but it's apparently really good. Yeah, that's what they said in like... In no, but they... the early 1900s. <laughs> no, but they do sedate you, and they don't like fucking fry or shit they yeah just... they probably go lower yeah. they don't crank it all up all the <laughs> yeah. way up like Pretorius. cia experiment shit oh god um no it's actually yeah they electroshock therapy is now being used to treat um depression well well i guess that's something to look there forward go, to if you're depressed uh put your fingers in the nearest wall plug You'll be a-okay in just a couple seconds. I do not support this message. (laughs) (laughs) Be positive on Kana's radio. Do not support (laughs) the views expressed just now. (laughs) Uh, But if you are feeling depressed, make sure you get some help. I mean, there are people out there to help you. And psychiatry has evolved a bit from Dr. Block. It's mostly talking now. Yeah, which is, I mean, it's a lot more boring, but more constructive. Yeah, Mm. but also quite scary. Yeah, yeah, because the ultimate terror is your own mind. Yeah. Oh, well, I just also wanted to mention, just uh, from a pure filmmaking standpoint, this film is beautiful. Yeah, it is. It's a good-looking movie. It is very well made, and it... Shows you what you can do on a low budget. Mm. I mean, they, they didn't even have a house. Uh, we were watching a video just now. Can we mention that? Sure, yeah. Let's buzz market Red Letter Media. Yeah, so we were watching uh, a video by Red Letter Media where they discuss Reanimator and From Beyond. But in it, they... Uh, they reveal. They reveal that the house is actually like a, like a half-scale miniature house. Yeah, uh, that, like that's using forced perspective. Yeah. Put at the end of the driveway to look like a, a regular house. Yeah, and it works fantastically. Yeah. I, I was convinced it's a real place that I can go visit. Uh, and probably, you know, a H.P. Lovecraft's tomb. Yeah. Um, well, uh, probably not. Probably not. He's probably in an actual literal crypt. Uh, but yeah, it's really well made visually. So good. And body horror films, a lot of the times uh, where attempted body horror fails is the use of CGI. Like in The Thing and in this film as well, it's it's pretty much all puppetry and practical effects. And uh, the guys from Red Letter Media were also saying that 
you can see a puppet interacting with like the worm in the basement yeah. it's splashing around you can see water organically pouring off it and that's just something that you can't convincingly do on a computer maybe yeah. you can but it's not like seeing a real object mm. interacting with real water and and just also thematically it's so important for these creatures to be real yeah uh to be in the same space as the actors because that's where all the terror and the horror comes from in the film yeah i don't know if you've seen the film uh the void the void no uh, it's a recent film it's very lovecraftian but again uh i was very impressed because it's low budget but when the body ho horror comes it is truly horrifying because it's prosthetics and yeah. you know there's a certain meatiness to a puppet mm. and to uh, a goopy slime monster that you're not going to get in a, in a computer yeah and and i think it also plays in the in the actors reactions to the monsters like you can be genuinely grossed out by this stuff yeah. As an actor. Yeah, because it, it's quite often covered in slime. Yeah. Uh, standard cinema slime. Yeah. And I can't imagine that that's a comfortable thing to be interacting no. with. Uh, so it does, you get a, a truer reflection and it, it must be nice. Mm -hmm. You know, being half swallowed by a puppet. Yeah, I would nice. love to do that. They probably had like a little juice box in the inside. So he got swallowed. And, and then, then while they're applying the his 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 bolt pate, I guess he's yeah. like just sipping on a juice box. Like, um, <laughs> another <laughs> thing to mention is the beautiful lighting. Um, every time the resonator gets switched on, the whole world is just doused in these neon pinks and blues. It's actually an aesthetic which made like which is making a huge comeback right oh, now. Yeah. That kind of eighties pink and blue um and it looks really good yeah the film just looks really lovely the whole aesthetic of the film it matches H the tone of hp lovecraft's writing mm. um it's very true to the source material while it also explores something that lovecraft never could explore in yeah. his own writing because of his uh, bigotry yeah essentially like where uh, there's another tale by H.P. Lovecraft, The Thing on the Doorstep, in which there's this female character who is a powerful magician, and she's very much into the occult. Uh, she's from Innsmouth, so she's probably half fish. And um, she states that her greatest regret is not being born male, because males have more magical power <sighs> in their brain than females. And she would have been uncomparable to anyone had she only had a male brain. God, now see, that's some dumbass shit. And he's not even a pro product of his time. That's no, not even an excuse. Even for his time, he was like a huge bigot. Yeah. So he is, he's visionary, but coming up with that much cosmic yeah. evil can only come from someone who is a little bit evil. Yeah. Yeah, I, I appreciate that Gordon and the rest of the team here, they go beyond uh -oh. Sir Lovecraft's <laughs> limitations. Yeah. Because that kind of narrow-mindedness doesn't necessarily always come up explicitly in his stories. Like, 
that one you just mentioned, but it it narrows the scope of the creative work you can do. So it's great to see people like taking inspiration from that, but moving beyond it in a way that kind of opens it up to more readings or a you know a wider reading, a modern interpretation. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I mean, okay, there are reports that H.P. Uh, Lovecraft did in his later years lose a lot of the edge of his bigotry and that he expressed regret for his views but that doesn't excuse you know i mean that that's the magic of writing is that even a hundred years later you're still getting someone's actual thoughts written down yeah. thousands of years later you can read something like a babylonian whatever and you're getting thoughts from an ancient person beamed directly into your brain which your what thoughts in, are what then crazy eternal. technology. <laughs> yeah. Your thoughts are then eternal in a way that your body never will be. So H.P. Lovecraft, despite, you know, his changes and his own development, he will be known as a bigot because those are his thoughts that remain. Yeah. Yeah. That's what he put out into the world. And that's what he was for most of his life. So be careful what you put out there, guys. Uh, try and be nice, even when you're writing about cosmic horror. Yeah. Oh, a little thing is the house's, uh, the house's address is 666 Benevolent Street. Yeah. Which I thought was quite cute and pretty clever. That is quite clever. Uh, in the story uh, by H.P. Lovecraft, also the house is set back from Benevolent Street, uh, which... That sort of was a very clever line to me when it was when I read it because mm. it's like the house, you know, the street is benevolent, but the house now becomes more of an ominous presence because yeah. it's set back from benevolent street. It's such it's such a great line. It's so well written, uh, and despite everything else that Lovecraft was, he was, a, in my opinion, a great writer. Yeah, very sure. Uh, yeah. So I would like you, Louis, mm -hmm. to rate this film out of going one to four tongs deep into the beyond i'm going dude i want to get rid of this sick tired body yes i want to transcend i want to transgress i'm going a full four tongs you want to become a cafeteria food i do i oh. want to be a weird <laughs> stumpy <laughs> man that looks like he has the bottom half of et <laughs> the torso of a nuclear accident and the head of an elephant's trunk yeah that's a good description uh i would also go four tongs deep mm. uh but then i would blow up the machine jump out the window and shatter my knee okay <laughs> Well, your knee's already pretty fucked up. So. Yeah, yeah, I don't have a great knee, but falling out of a house probably wouldn't help. No. Um, so, yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, as always, you can find us on the, the old Twitter box. Yep. The Book of Faces, yep. Facebook. Um, you can find me on Instagram. I'm at Fraser Chonji. Yep. I guess I have to say the at. On Twitter, we're uh, Be Positive. The podcast, uh, you can find us at, at Stay Scary on Facebook at Stay Scary. We're just real scary people. Yeah. What? I'm not scary. You are 
uh, actually. People have been afraid. You could of me. be scary. I'm very quiet, and uh, people tend to see that it's me sneaking up. And then I'm also quite large. Mm. So if I quietly walk up behind you and you turn around, you might get a fright. But I don't mean it in a scary way. I just, I'm just. He just wants to hug you. We've discussed this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have the feet of a cat. <laughs> Where did you get a cat's feet? Uh, from a cat. <laughs> <laughs> Um, um, again, I've been Louis. And I've been Fraser. And as always, you stay scary. Uh, uh, spooky. Spooky. Have a spooky Friday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what are we doing next week? Uh, next time on Be Positive. You get to hear us from the past because we recorded this out of sequence. This is all out of order. We don't need to. No, but it's going to be quite obvious. Okay. Uh, we have Unlisted oh, yeah. Owner. Yeah, uh, that's coming up next in our past, in your future. It's all bleeding together. Help me. I can't get out. Yeah. Was that the show? That was it. That was it. That's that the was show. like the whole show. That was the whole show. We did it. Now we, now we do the thing where we talk about it. Yeah. And, and we're like time. making jokes. And, like, and right about here, it starts to fade out. It's like, the volume. And then that's it. Like,